love this song and the band. I mean, the Hillsong band is just amazing. <laughs> this is by Robert Zimmerman. Can I tell you that I got an email from the Hillsong group? Uh, and they're, they're, no, no, they're releasing something new and the big rah-rah thing. And uh, it's just... The wrong Brian Houston to be cheering the for. The wrong Brian Houston. Go to brianhouston.com. He's a good buddy of ours. He's a Belfast boy. He's a brilliant musician. Oh, he's so amazing. I just don't have the patience for the other stuff. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, hi. You're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. We're on the My Joy Radio app on iTunes or Google Play. Across the GTA on AM 1250 Joy Radio. Um, Tim the Tool is the guy on the other side of the board. And we have a very special co-host with us today. Yay! Angela Saney was here. Man, how long ago was it? It was like three years ago. I was oh, doing yeah. I was doing the filming back then. Um, can you just turn her mic yeah, off? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And then right there. Why can't I see that? Right there. Right there. there you go. Here I am. Oh, we did here some, I am. We modified things earlier and just can't recover. This is how the audience knows it's full-on live radio, right? That's the part of the fun. What's interesting, Angela, is at the beginning of my career, 15, 16 years ago, 15, whatever, um, I cared a lot about that stuff. <laughs> and I just hit this point in my life recently where, man. And it used to be just you, then me. Yeah. And now then, there's 17 people doing the show. It's amazing how it's There's changed. an amazing team here, I have to say. Yeah, like, no, no, we don't give the interns credit. Okay. No. Yes, we wah, do. Wah, wah. Don't give them credit. Anyway, moving along. Uh, no, not moving along. I want to say just a, an official hello to Angela Saini. Angela is a really interesting person and a talented singer-songwriter. Thanks. Who spent, oh, I don't know, like an hour and a half with me yapping. Because I was, whenever I go to, I go to so many gigs. And I, and I just always go by myself. And I'm the creepy guy at the bar. I am. Not and, true. And you sat with me, and we thought, who were we watching? Oh, it was um, uh, Scarlett, Scarlett Jane. Jane. Right. Yeah. And that was a great night, and we got talking, and I we found out time. that you're actually a nice person. Oh, well, you couldn't tell from the show I did before no. that? No. no really? No. Okay. Fair enough. Well, you it could have been an act. True. I am a performer, so sometimes, yeah, yeah fair enough. So, anyway, <laughs> Angela's going to perform at the end of the show. We just had, that's right, kids, we just had a live performance from a recording artist, and now we'll have another at 4.30, so tune in for so Angela. we'll have ice sandwiches. cream sandwiches and musical sandwiches. Nice, Tim. Nice, eh? Very well done. That's a tasty sandwich right yeah. there. Mm, delicious. <laughs> okay, no Homer right now. <laughs> okay, sorry. Put Homer away. Okay, go away, Homer. Okay. <laughs> Um, I am excited, actually. Not excited. That's a lame word. I'm very much looking forward to interviewing this next lady. Her name is Kate Bowler. She's the author of Everything Happens for a Reason. I hope I just pronounced her last name right. And Other Lies I've Loved. She was on our show, I think, a long, long time ago as a blogger, back when we interviewed Oh, bloggers. yeah, we had the blogs, yes. Blogger of the Week and stuff like that. Anyway, she is a professor at Duke Divinity School with a uh, she had this modest Christian upbringing. I so want to know about that. But she specializes in the study of uh, prosperity gospel. The, <laughs> na the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, no one should get sick, everyone should be rich kind of stuff. A creed that sees fortune as a blessing from God and misfortune as the mark of God's disapproval. At 35, everything in her life seemed to point toward blessing. <laughs> She's thriving in her job, married to her high school sweetheart, and... Loved life with her newborn son, and then she gets diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Wow. 
And at that point in the story, we're going to press pause and get her on the line right now. Hi, Kate. First of all, got to say, really? That stage four colon cancer? Come on. That's brutal. And how are you? And what's going on with all of that? Yeah. Well, my life is the worst. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) it's funny. I mean, you just you kind of just feel like you're mostly like everybody else. And then something like a devastating, devastating diagnosis really just takes that apart. So I'm doing okay. All things considered, I, um, I get really terrifying scans every few months to see how I'm doing. And in the meantime, I just try to recalibrate to the new normal, but the new normal has to have like a very high tolerance for, for fear. And also for people saying things like everything happens for a reason. So when I first had this book sent to me, like I had a lot of books sent to me, and I, and I saw the title, and you got to get me with a title, like most people, and this title got me, and the reason it got me is because I grew up in the funeral business, and I was a pastor, and I'm a hospital chaplain, and I have been oh. around conversations where people have said yeah. stupid things like, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And yeah. I, I get what they're trying to say. I really do. I get what's behind it. But if you think it through, that is the last thing you say while you're walking past the family of the deceased. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the most. What's so weird is like, I never real. I never felt like I was a problem to be solved until I got sick. And then I just found that small talk was this terrible gauntlet. Like everybody, I mean, just yesterday I went into a chiropractor and I said, you know, you have to like do those intake forms. You sort of have to maybe a little bit be honest. (laughs) And I was like, I tried to like be really casual about it. I was like, blah, 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 stage four cancer, blah, blah. Just hoping it'll like slip by, you know, and then he can just like adjust my neck. And, um, and his first question was like stage four. And so you like give people a minute to like process the terror. And then he's like, well, was it in your family? As if, like, you have, I, I always feel like I have something that's contagious. Yeah. I'm something that has to be explained instead of someone where just out of the blue tragedy happened. And I'm as surprised as everyone else. Um, you, you have this interesting combination of solid... Uh, grounded, you seem you're you're smart. You're a good processor. You're you're just a really intelligent lady. All that kind of stuff that Donald Trump might say. Um, and, and then you, but you also have this depth to you, and you have this this um, emotive side to you. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, with this weird combo platter that you are, tell me because I'm way more interested in people's darkness. So take me to yeah, the darkest me too. time. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. I mean, because honestly, like, I didn't write this book because I thought, you know, wow, my cancer is so special and my pain is so real. Like, I just thought I want to get down. I want to get down to the studs of my life and be honest and to say, like, even though I never thought I believed in the prosperity gospel, even though I was as dismissive as the next person, like, didn't I actually really think everything was going to work out? Mm. Like, didn't I have some kind of, like pathological assumption that my hard work or sense of humor or, you know, scrappy attitude was going to dig my way, I mean, out of this complete mess. And so, yeah, I wrote it. I wrote it in the terrible darkness. And I wrote it because I found that I am, like, as much of a terrible giant liar as everyone else. Like, if you ask me how I am, I'm always going to try to say I'm great. You know, I'm always just going to try to make it easy on everyone. And so I wrote the book to be as as honest as I, I was deep down. Like, yes, I am terrified of dying. Yes, this is not 
anything I imagined. I, I worry that I'm a burden to people who love me because I'm a thing that's going to happen to people. Or, I mean, like, I just tried to get down to the real stuff because I think it's there in the honesty that people can, like, meet their toughest questions, or at least I was hoping they might. Mm, what does a meltdown look like for you? Mm, it's pretty chill. Um, <laughs> I think um, it's more uh, meltdown. <laughs> I think it's the, it's like, I think of it like my impossible thought, like the thing you get, the, the, the worst truth about something and your brain just stops. So, I mean, the book is full of them, me just trying to like be brutally honest, but it always looks more like a deeply pensive expression on the outside and a total undoing on the inside. Um, your husband, are we allowed, yeah. to, are we allowed to talk about him? Yeah, he's great. Mennonite is the day is long. Um, Mom, hold on, on, hold on. You can't drop that and not have me go, excuse me? Um, yeah, Menos. Mennonite is the day is long. So what does that mean? He he uh, churns butter. He cranks a yeah, generator yeah. for power in the house. So, <laughs> so much homemade cheese. Um, yeah, Mennonites. I, so I, I married Mennonite. I grew up around Mennonites. Uh, they are they're the kind of people who stand in an open field with a determined expression and a tool belt they're like i'm gonna build something today (laughs) 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 who knows what it will be so yeah i and like thank god for that like during my worst moment all the mennonites descended and just started building things i think out of a sense of sheer hopelessness so So yeah they're wonderful to have in the worst times where are you guys on the same page as far as god stuff is concerned or are you different yeah yeah, I think so. But, like, I'm just trying to be honest about the fact that I think the person who's preparing or, like, trying not to die is having a very different experience than the person who's caregiving. Yes. Because it sort of let me sort of have my, you know, because I was really kind of facing the darkness, I was kind of getting spiritually ready in a way. And so, I mean, I was imagining a life that is ended and it took me a while to realize he was having a completely different experience and he was worried about a life that would go on diminished. And so, I mean, those are, those are different planets. And so I'm trying to like fly out to his planet sometimes and see how it is. But yeah, I think caregivers, like it's a very different sort of burden to bear. Does he, um, do you guys, I don't know, for some reason I keep wanting to try and paint a hallmark moment here with you, and it's it's, <laughs> it's painfully difficult. Um, yeah. <laughs> but do you yeah, guys... I think the greeting card industry, like, is destroyed with, like, this just being in within sight of me, so I get it. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, well, how do you talk to God about stage four cancer? Do you bring up the H word? Um... As in what the H? Is that what we're <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I meant healing. Healing. Yes. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the H word. Sure. So I was like, well, grappled with that as well. Um, yeah. So I. It's funny because I spent ten years studying prosperity gospel. Did I hear you mention Brian Houston for? Is that what you were saying? Uh, yes. I, you know, those uh, are the. I mean, I've spent so much of my life interviewing televangelists and senior pastors and. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've been around Pentecostals long enough to, to sort of absorb a lot of their confidence in healing. I just don't think it is anything, and I feel the same way about miracles, is they are things 
to hope for and certainly not to expect. So I pray for healing, but I, my faith isn't um, isn't determined by it. If I'm not healed, I'm not gonna, you know, my last breath will not be like, <laughs> why did you do this to me? I think somewhere before then, I'll have, uh, I'll come to peace with it. I think we just live in a broken world and our broken bodies are examples of it, not exceptions to right. it. So whose um, sin is it as a result? Like you have cancer because of somebody's sin. Mm-hmm. So, so whose sin is it? <laughs> Sure. I mean, I'm willing to point the finger as much as you are. <laughs> so, I mean, we could, I could, I could do a family tree. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's funny, but Jesus was pretty specific about that. Um, you know, who sinned? Is it you or the Father? And I just, uh, I find this weird hunt that people have. Like the second there's a tragedy, people are trying to explain it. Yeah. And like, I get so many letters from people trying to say, "Oh my gosh." I hate people sometimes. <laughs> I can't tell you how many letters I've gotten where, like, the punchline is like, and the wages of sin is death. Like, thanks, Gary <laughs> from Indiana. Um, this is writing, taking time out of your I hate day that guy. to let me know. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's the worst. But I think he's trying, I honestly, I think what they're trying to do when they're trying to figure out whose sin it is, is they're trying to make sure that God is just. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just trying to make sure that, like, that there's a system in place and that I understand the system. And uh, and I find that that's, like, the—I mean, you're you're someone who understands hospital room faith. Like, mm-hmm. people usually aren't looking for an explanation. They're just trying to find a way through. Um, sorry, my assistant is either having a stroke or wants to say something. <laughs> I was just going to say— And in- I just called you my assistant. Can I just apologize for that? Okay. <laughs> I've never called you that ever. Well, you got the first couple letters right of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was just say it's it's not only making sure that their world is in order, but making sure that everybody knows yeah. that their world is in order, and they're not the one who's sinning and it got problems in their life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. And like, I mean, that I mean, it, it, it is a terrible feeling to be to be a theological problem, but I feel it really acutely. Like when people try to explain me. I mean, I do think they are really trying to say, like, yeah, we still live in an ordered world. God is still there. God is still fair. And I'm a lot less concerned about fairness and a lot more concerned about the apparent lack of, like, love I see in people who are are more worried about, you know, explaining me than bringing me a casserole. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. I just watched... uh... Oh, what's that Jennifer Garner movie where the kid falls down a tree and gets healed? Yeah, Pennies or Miracles from Heaven or something like uh, that. Some kind of thing Did like that. Did you want to look it up? No, not really. It's not All worth right. it. All I know is Jennifer Garner was in it, so I watched it. Kate, I guess having been a study of the prosperity, Pentecostal, charismatic-y thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. so, so glad I described that so well yeah yeah did you do that purely as an observer or did you become one of them or are you one of them no I you mean, don't sound like one of them. no I mean I'm always the person with the clipboard in the back um, but yeah I, as a historian who studied it and did uh, you know went to churches for about a decade I just spent so much time with them um, both in the pews and kind of in the office interviewing the pastor that I ha- I really do have a tremendous compassion for them, especially like the regular folks. But no, I, and, uh, and honestly, like, I think if you would have asked me two years ago before I got diagnosed, I would have said, oh, there is nothing of the prosperity gospel in me. 
And and then I think, honestly, as I've just been trying to grapple with how I've reacted to my diagnosis and trying to live in the aftermath, like, I think I share more in common with them than I expected. Okay, that's interesting, because what I've always noticed is that uh, the theme of every Pentecostal church that I've been in is yeah. sell, is selling hope. Mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. and I think denominations, churches are are exactly. divided more into personality types than they are theology or doctrine. Um, yeah. And and the vast majority of Pentecostal churches that I've been to are people who are desperately seeking hope, and they are and they are willing to 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 sign up for hope wherever it's being sold. And mm-hmm. so here you come along, and life is fairly peachy for you. You're Miss, uh, mm-hmm. you're Miss Clipboard in the back. And all of a sudden, yeah. stage four, you know, cancer, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my goodness. And you, all of a sudden, hope has a different meaning to you. Yeah, that's right. And I wonder, that's exactly right. And I wonder if, if that's where you started to recognize your, your common ground with the charismatic Pentecostals. Well, I think I, think I had gotten confused between hope and certainty. They had a similar feeling, like always the sense of like looking at the horizon, always just the expectation of more and that sort of feeling of hunger for it. But I, I had gotten confused uh, with somewhere along the line, the, just the idea that things just had to work out for me, you know, for, for whatever reason, because, because I'm a super good Christian or I try so hard or I'm probably obsessively hardworking or any of these things really made me quite certain that if there was a problem that I could fix it. And, and I think it's very similar to what you're seeing in Pentecostalism is their hope looks, looks a lot like a guarantee that things will work out within the course of this lifetime. The problem is of course, is that that is a tough sell when everything falls apart. Yeah, like there's no atheists in foxholes, as that old expression goes, right? That's kind of connected to this as well. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm I'm at a point in my life where I've just spent the last seven years willingly walking away from the tribe. Mm. And now, uh, last year was the worst year of my life. And so now I'm sitting here going, hmm, okay, I need to crawl back to the light. And so mm-hmm. I, what I'm trying to do, and I know this probably doesn't come across so far in the interview, is I'm trying to be less of a judgmental jerk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so in other words, there's a there's a sort of a desperation there, and and I have spent years, um, I guess, poking fun at all denominations, but a little bit more at the Pentecostals. Mm-hmm. And and I and probably because my personality type doesn't kind of jive with that whole thing. I'm not a palm tanner. <laughs> Anybody get that? Anybody? I got it. Palm <laughs> tanner. I don't. I don't hold my palms up into the air. I got uh, it. Okay, thank it you. It was right. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not a happy clappy. I'm not. Yeah. I'm up. I'm a, if I if I'm gonna really sort of worship God, uh, it's usually in some broken moment, and I'm usually sobbing, yeah. and there's snot, and I don't want to do that publicly. Yeah. Because that's awkward. Um, yeah, but, but, like they're not great with the darkness. Yeah, No, but, but I guess what I'm feebly trying to say here is, obviously, my way and my, my, my way of thinking has really not served me all that well. So what, what, are they, what have I got? I got nothing. And, and I certainly can't look at this tribe any longer with as much judgmentalism as I have had in the past. 
Well, I think, I mean, I think you're right that we learn different things from different expressions of Christianity. And, and Pentecostals, I think because of their very high, I mean, they set the bar high when you go to a service. Like, they do want you to clap. They do want you, I mean, they, they, they expect a lot, especially from, like, non-demonstrative people, yeah. if I may just take a guess. Um, but what I learned from them is that there is joy in seeing God in the details of our lives. Mm-hmm. That I mean, like their their stuff can get I mean really specific, but sometimes it's just in the specifics that we feel God's love. Like I mean, they're praying. That's why I love it when if I really need prayer, I'm going to go to some Pentecostals because they're <laughs> going to put their hands on my shoulders and they're all of a sudden apparently going to have like anointing oil in their back pockets and like <laughs> they are going to pray for me as if they cannot imagine that anyone should dare mess with me. And there's like a there's a there's a specificity to that love that I just don't get That's when I walk into like maybe one of the more subdued churches sure. and they're super happy to pray for me for thirty seconds, but just you know the organ song is about to start and we're all done now <laughs> I, mean, I love it when they oh, just man. like like they like look at me and then they roll up their sleeves yeah. and they pray with expectation and sometimes i mean i don't want to say that expectation for me is the same thing as pretending that i know everything's going to work out but i do know that nevertheless there will be joy and there will be god's presence and I wouldn't mind someone reminding me every now and then. So interesting. Expectation and its relationship to certainty. Yeah. Um, hope yeah. and its relationship relationship to certainty. You, you've just yeah. said some things that have really given me a headache. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well said. Thank I want you. it. Yeah, you're a jerk. The prospect of her own mortality forces Kate to realize she has been tacitly subscribing to the prosperity gospel, living with the conviction that she can control the shape of her life with a surge of determination, even as this type of Christianity celebrates the American can-do spirit, which is, you know, irritating as well. It implies that if you can't do and succumb to uh, illness or misfortune, you're a failure. Well, Kate is sick, and no amount of positive thinking is going to shrink her tumors. So what does it mean to die, she wonders, in a society that insists everything happens for a reason? Kate is stripped of this certainty only to discover that without it, life is hard, but beautiful in a way it never has been before. Uh, This book is frank, don't know who that is, and funny and dark and wise. And Kate Bowler pulls the reader deeply into her life in an account she populates uh, affectionately with a colorful, often hilarious retinue of friends. Who uses that word? Megachurch preachers, yeah. relatives, and doctors. Dude, all I need to say is you are a very eyes wide open uh, human being, and your Aww. your books um, have a palatable heartbeat to them. Aw, what a sweet thing to say. <laughs> At least this one does. I, I don't remember reading the other. The other one. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it was really in there somewhere. Great. Somewhere. Thank <laughs> you so much. And um, I don't know. I want to end on a really non-weird note, but I... Pray it for uh, Yeah, I'll pray for you. No, yeah, I won't. That'll be weird. I won't. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> no, well, just, just don't send me good vibes. Okay, good to chat with you. Take care. Yeah, you too. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Kate Bowler, everything happens for a reason. And other lies I've loved. Kate Bowler.